Hello and welcome to Music Makers San Diego, where we shine the light on San Diego area songwriters and their music and are proud to present a Ruth House concert featuring Haley Blaze and the Wellsprings Saturday, June 17th. Tickets are available at the link in our Instagram bio and on our Facebook page. I'm your host, Gary Lee. My guest today is Joe Summers. Welcome, Joe. Hey, thank you for having me. You're uh, not from San Diego. You're originally from Minnesota, right? Correct, yeah. Where in Minnesota? Uh, I was born and raised in St. Paul, Minnesota, right in the right in the capital. Um, beautiful, beautiful state. I miss it sometimes. It's great there. <laughs> what was it like growing up there? Uh, well, the easy answer is cold, yeah. but <laughs> the summers are great there. And um, I don't know. It's it's a technically I grew up in the city, but it's a small place, so it was um, just a really lovely community of to grow up in. I mean, everyone kind of knows each other, even though it's. Got a city vibe to it, so mm-hmm. I always felt like I had a big network of people, and that was great. When did you move to San Diego? Um, I moved to San Diego in 2019, uh, my girlfriend and I, but we moved here from Seattle. We lived in Seattle for a few years before oh, okay. That. Yeah. Rainy part of uh, the I world. I know. I went to <laughs> Seattle from Minnesota, and I got there, and everybody was like, oh, I bet you like it here in the winter a lot more, and I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> There's no sun here ever. So right, depressing. Right. Yeah, Minnesota's cold, but comes out sunny in the winter sometimes, so it's nice. And and why San Diego? Um, so I grew up making music, and then I got out of music for a little while because I had... Uh, I met uh, I met a girl on Tinder who was a circus artist. Circus artist? Yeah, really? she was a circus performer. Oh, and wow. there's a really well-known and renowned circus, children's circus in um, St. Paul, Minnesota. And so she was one of those people, and she got a job offer in Seattle. So we moved out there together. And, um, yeah, I ended up getting involved with the uh, teaching circus arts and stuff. So I spent about five or six years teaching flying trapeze. Really? Yeah. So we moved down here. My current girlfriend and I met in Seattle doing that together. And uh, we moved down here because there's a school over in Escondido. We came down to teach here, and we've been here ever since. So are you a flying trapeze artist yourself? <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like I have to be really careful with my answer. But yeah. yes, technically, I teach it. Um, I teach uh, every Saturday I teach classes. Um, I teach a, the advanced class over there. Um, and I say that I have to be careful because I was never on a performance contract, so to say, but uh-huh. I, I have performed multiple times really? and I spent six years teaching almost full time and we traveled around the world teaching. We lived in London. We lived in Australia for a while teaching flying trapeze. <laughs> wow. Yeah. It's really what, what's that like? Oh man, <laughs> it's so much fun. I it's so weird for me because I'm not really a daredevil, and so I got into it because I really wanted to push myself and achieve something like that. Mm-hmm. And I ended up getting pretty good for someone who didn't have a background in it. And um, just the sense of this like accomplishment I got from pushing myself to places I didn't think I could get to, literally like <laughs> flying through the air wow. was great. But the best part for me is I just love teaching. It's so much fun to see people that I've become friends with mm-hmm. succeeding. And I've just watched it transform people's lives because they start believing in themselves. It's really nice. Are you the only one in your family that's musically inclined? Uh, no, actually. My, um, my dad's side of the, my grandpa was I never met him, unfortunately, but he was just like a genius of a man, and he taught himself how to play the banjo and the accordion and the piano, and he would 
he the stories were that he would just pick up his accordion and walk down the alley in the summers and play really loudly until the neighbors came out and then he'd just park himself in someone's backyard and they'd start <laughs> a fire and he just was like the neighborhood troubadour and and then my grandma and my aunt have always been very active choir people so I kind of picked up on it from them and my parents were really into music though they weren't musicians themselves so I was exposed to a lot of great music as a kid, which I'm grateful for. What were your parents listening to then oh, that you man. were exposed to? Uh, I just have these memories of when my dad realized I liked music, we would just go on these long drives and he'd play like Freebird for me. And we'd we'd just park the car and like air guitar together the whole time. Or, you know, he was really in the classic rock. But, um, you know, stuff like Super Tramp. Uh, Breakfast in America, kind of grew up on that. Album. Oh, so good, yeah. front to back. My dad was a radio DJ in college. He had his own station oh, okay. for a while when he was in college, which is, again, I wasn't alive then, but I hear about it. Yeah, I spent 35 years yeah. in radio. So, <laughs> Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, and so, you know, I grew up around that, and then my mom just always had records playing in the house, and we would, <laughs> oh, I have this memory of her, we had the Smash Mouth album in the 90s when it came out. And I have this memory of I was like five and she was painting her toenails and she had that album on. And so she painted my toenails and then we like danced around the house together <laughs> singing Smash Mouth songs. So <laughs> we were just always listening to tunes. When what I was were you up. listening to personally? Um, well, I was really, when I got my first guitar, my dad had gotten me really into Jimi Hendrix and I had all, you know, posters all over my room, Queen. I was really into classic rock when I was first getting in. I just wanted to be like a shredder and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, and then they got me into guitar lessons and my guitar teacher was uh, kind of, he was fresh out of Berkeley School of Music. And so he, I was lucky he was teaching me all old blues stuff and stuff like that and teaching me music theory and um and so I got really into like blues music and Stevie Ray Vaughan and and Robert Cray and Bonnie Raitt and um, yeah, my mom took me to see one of my first concerts I ever saw was Al Green, Etta James, and BB King at the oh, Minnesota wow. State yeah. Fair. It was awesome. I was <laughs> at the was, fair too at huh? the Minnesota State Fair, which was so much fun. And it's a great that would have been a great show to oh, see. Man. Well, Etta James had just had a heart attack, and so she was huh. kind of trying to keep it low key. And she started singing off stage, and she came riding onto stage on like a scooter, but just like belting as loud as oh. she could. And she was just like leaning into the like <laughs> her her physical, uh, you know, issues at the time. But she, man, she put on a show. I bet. Oh yeah, I we bet. got lucky. That was a uh, great one. At what point in your life did you decide to pursue music as more than just a hobby? Um, I think honestly, it was pretty recently. It was in twenty. 20- Kind of 2020, I, I, I had I had stopped making music for a long time because I just, as you'll see, a lot of my songs are very introspective and personal, and a lot of uh, a lot of the type of music I tend to make is very like I use it as a way to reflect and and um, process a lot of the stuff in my life. And so I had gotten too deep into it, and just it was make I was cycling on some bad habits. And so I stopped making music and got into the trapeze, but, um, I started going to therapy during the pandemic cause I just had a lot of unresolved past traumas and stuff like that. I really needed to figure out. And during that time, I just kind of realized, you know, one of my good friends had, um, my best, one of my best friends, he, he had realized I was doing, not doing so well. And we were talking and he just was like, man, you got to start making music again. Like 
that's when we were teenagers, we would just make music together, and that's when you were kind of at your best. And he sent me a Google Drive file with every song I've ever recorded. Like he had saved it over like since high school because he just like is my best friend, and he always liked my music, and he had it saved, and he sent it to me, and it was like this really profound reminder of a part of myself that I'd kind of given up on. So I got back into it and started writing, and my my therapist kind of was like, this is good for you, you should keep going. So I just started plucking songs out, and after I got past that awful (laughs) period where you're writing and it feels like you're writing the worst song ever made over and over again, (laughs) after I got past that, I was like, okay, here's some stuff I kind of like, and now I'm starting to find my voice a little bit, so... Now you may not need the therapist anymore because you're back into music, and music could be your form of exactly. Therapy. She kind of she kind of broke up with me recently. <laughs> <laughs> she she didn't. We still see each other, but she's like, I don't think you need me that much anymore, yeah. which is a good thing to hear. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Yeah, the, music, the music's taking her place. Yeah, the music has really helped me, and and you know, I I found the the writers round group down in mm-hmm. in uh, Normal Heights back in December of last year, and that community has just been so important to me for finding other people who share the way my mind works a little uh-huh. bit and kind of reaffirming some of the things I think. So it's nice. Well, you're going to play three of your original songs for us today. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us about the first one. Um, so this first one I'm going to play is called Swallowed Sword. Um, and it kind of happened a couple months ago. I was just just plucking around with a chord progression that was kind of not along the lines of a normal chord progression for me. And I uh, anyway, I came up with this lyric, just swallowed sword, kind of ties back into the circus stuff in my life. And I just, I, I thought of the, like, the metaphor of like swallowing a sword and kind of how I was feeling like, you know, I, I was feeling very bogged down with my emotions and kind of coming to a point where I was realizing, well, these are my emotions. And I feel like I'm kind of just re-inflicting some of this, this stuff on myself. So I was kind of thinking of it like, oh, you know, I'm, um, kind of swallowing this sword on my own, like I'm doing this to myself in a way right. sometimes. And it was just kind of a reflection on like, oh, I think I'm doing a lot better than than I than I sometimes think I am and and uh giving myself some levity in the song to just look at it with not so much intensity. And and what's the name of the song? This is called Swallowed Sword. Singing the song of the low tide A hymnal of what was coming to steal But by now I've surely drowned in the sorrow I'm fast asleep at the wheel Good Lord, the swallowed sword was a bad idea But who knew the consequence at the time If hindsight is 2020, then man, do I see What trouble could be coming down the line I won't be at home in the next world With gravestone as present company Oh Lord, the swallowed sword There ain't nothing left to say I've just been lingering on
life, the form is coming in hazy A good sign of what could be my reprieve What now has all this struggle been planting my seeds? I'm well aware in the dream For too long I was singing the song of the low tide A hymnal of what was coming to steal But by now I surely mastered the sorrow I'm the sum of the cuts I can feel I won't be at home in the next world With gravestone as present company Oh Lord, the swallowed sword, there ain't nothing left to say I've just been lingering on Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I like it. your uh, finger picking, too. Thank you very much. I've been trying to, trying to get better at that. Um, when did you first pick up the guitar? I got my first guitar when I was 12 years old, sixth grade. I begged and begged and begged my parents for one for Christmas. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it got me a Fender, uh, sorry, not a Fender, a uh, Squire Stratocaster starter kit with the little crappy amp and the headphone jack and the music book and... I just never put that thing down. <laughs> um, who are some of your influences, musically and uh, as a songwriter, too? Oh, um, well, musically, I would say my biggest influence is Justin Vernon from Bon Iver. I've just, I just, my friend introduced me to him when we were like 16, and I just went down the rabbit hole with him for, and I still to this day, like, I just admire him so much. I grew up also. Kind of when the Goodwill Hunting soundtrack was coming out, and Elliot Smith was getting really big, and my dad and his brothers were all like really into it, um, and we were playing that a lot, and and also my sister, I, she's gonna she's gonna laugh at me saying this, but she got a guitar before I. She's older than me by four years, and I just, I mean, I've always thought she was the coolest person in the world, and so she was taking guitar lessons, and I really wanted to take guitar lessons, and. I was just always like stealing her CDs and listening to her Jack Johnson albums and her Elliott Smith albums and all this stuff. And so that musically, those, you know, I think at an early age, my, I don't really think about it that much, but my sister had a huge impact on me wanting to play. And then also I have a like a blues background. So, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan, Robert Cray's big influence on me. Um, and then, um, yeah, in life, I would say that, you know, my dad was always just a huge, he was just so into me wanting to play music. Cause I think he wanted to be a musician and he never really thought he, w he never followed it. And so he's uh, living through you a little bit. And he just, he loved having something that we did together and, you know, we did a lot of stuff together, but, um, you know, he was just always my biggest, biggest supporter. And I remember I, the first song I ever wrote, like with lyrics, I just was, well, I was like freshman in high school and I went to my dad and was like, Hey, can I show you something? And I, I played him the song and he like stood up off the couch and was like, you wrote that? 
did you really write that? And then he like, he's like, he like made me get up and go play it for my mom. And he, the whole time was standing next to me like, can you believe this? <laughs> like, he, I can't believe you wrote the whole song. This is awesome. So you, you got a lot of support then oh from God, your family, yeah. from your parents. Definitely. As far as Definitely. making the move into Definitely. Uh, being a performer and, and songwriter. Yeah, I've always been the center of attention performer sort of guy. My parents were always, you know, I was in theater a lot when I was in high school and, you know, my my mom is just always, you know, she's like, you just, you've just always been who you are. And I just so grateful that you found avenues like theater and music to get into, to like put yourself there. So how much do you think doing theater, how much do you think that helped you oh, to uh, get where you are today musically? Immensely. I when you know, I freshman year of high school, I was very, I was in the military program at my high school. I was very like straight laced and like all this stuff and trying to just like be like, the best like military program kid. And then I met all the theater kids and, and they kind of, you know, they got under my skin and they were like, Oh, you're a weirdo. <laughs> they, they convinced me that I'm a weirdo. So <laughs> they, uh, they got me in and then, um, the theater director had heard me sing just in passing once. And so she got, she got on my case about taking her musical theater class. And I was like dragging my feet. I didn't want to do it. And I finally signed up for it. And I just, I mean, it just changed my life having that avenue and opportunities to get up on stage and then the choir program at school and everything. I, you know, it just, I never really thought of myself like that, but having those people in my life that were like, hey, you should be doing this. You should really give this a shot. I think you'd be good at it. That helped to motivate you then? Uh, oh, yeah. To do, yeah, to do it, what you're doing. And it just, I never really thought of myself as like a performer. You know, I was a little short, little chunky middle schooler that everyone made fun of. So I tried to keep, you know, I tried to keep at bay these instincts I have to like be gregarious and rambunctious. And and, and then I got into a group of people who were all weird and all very loud all the time. And it made me feel <laughs> welcome right. and, you, and you found the right group. Yeah, I found the right people. <laughs> Uh, you're listening to Music Makers San Diego. Make plans to join us for our monthly songwriter support group workshop and performance at Amplified Studios the third Thursday of each month. I'm talking with Joe Summers today. What's the next song you're going to play for us? Um, the next song is um, it's called The Ides of March, and I wrote it a few months ago, in, just after The Ides of March. Um, and this is a little more along the lines of um, I would say what my music was like for a long time, and I'm kind of moving away from this. But I was just feeling, I was just feeling the weight of the world a little bit a few months ago. Feeling, you know, I think we all feel it. Just the, you know, you're you're getting older, and you're like, is this is this just what my life is like? You know, and I have a lovely life, but you know, just the monotony and everything of life sometimes gets to you, and it's been raining for freaking three months straight. I was like, just feeling, I was feeling down. I was feeling, I was in a Phoebe Bridgers mood. So I wrote kind of a, just a, just a cathartic, get this out of my system sort of song. So this is called the Ides of March. extra space I'm not sure with what to fill its place 
What's gone has left me living as a trace I'm unstuck 11.30 on the odds of March There's 23 seconds where I fell apart At a Walmart waiting for the car to start in the rain Some days it just all feels so strange Clocking hours for the company dime Trying not to read between the lines Just lockstep until the end of time It's insane Whatever happened to my sense of the endless I used to think I couldn't touch the edges There was something coming for us from a promised heaven Am I turning the same corners Living the lessons of formers Learning the lessons and living the same Something tells me I got bills to pay I know it's all about the day-to-day But something in me wants to make a break And just run All these others are just having fun Got me wishing I could be the one Pulling threads so I could come undone Am I turning the same corners? Living the patterns of formers Learning the lessons and living the same I've been feeling all this extra space I'm not sure with what to fill its place What's gone has left me living as a trace I'm unstuck uh, You said you wrote your first song at what, 12? Uh, or was that 15? Probably 14 or 15, yeah. 14 or 15? Yeah. you set any goals for your songwriting? The, the amount of songs you want to write, say, per week or per day? Man, um, I'm trying to get better at that. I think something I realized about myself recently is I definitely have a ADHD. <laughs> I was talking to my therapist, and she was like, yeah, you probably fall into that. <laughs> so goal setting is not like my strong suit. Um, I just I feel like I'm a person that like if I feel some momentum in something and I feel some kind of extrinsic motivation, like finding a community of songwriters, I just get in this like almost like frenzy of like I got to keep this momentum going. So from like December of last year when I started going to the writer's round group until just a couple months ago or just last month I've been really like just all I can think about is music and like writing songs and I'm very lucky the job I work in a wood shop but my um 
my boss is a musician, all my coworkers are musicians. So we have, we have a, it's just an old out of tune, upright piano. We got a drum set, we got a keyboard in the office. And so on my breaks, I'll just go in and like mill around and kind of, uh-huh. kind of try some stuff out and try to keep my brain moving. So that's kind of my process. I wish it was a little more linear, but I've just come to accept that it's just who I am as a person. <laughs> do lyrics typically come for you first, or is it the melody? I would say rarely do lyrics come first to me. I think um, it's usually like I come up with like a cool, like that last song I came up with, this chord progression I really like. And and then I write lyrics to it, which I used to feel kind of self-conscious about, like it made me feel like not really a good writer. But um, I found that, having the template for it kind of has honed my lyrical skill in a way that is uh, like I'm making the pieces fit instead of trying to make something fit around the things I've already written. So it's it's gotten me to write some things I wouldn't have written because I needed to make it work within the chord progression. Mm-hmm. And I think with um, with the way my brain kind of works is like, you know, like I said, a, a lot of songwriting for me is just kind of processing how I'm feeling. And, and in a lot of ways, I don't always feel comfortable or really know how I'm feeling or how to vocalize what I'm feeling. So finding a chord progression that really just resonates within me and feels like, ooh, this feels like the emotion I've been feeling a lot lately opens up like a canvas for me to just kind of play with lyrical ideas on and try to piece it together. So my lyrical style has really turned into, I don't know, some some of my songs like, the lyrics don't always make sense to other people. And I kind of like that. Like, I kind of like it to be a little, not uninterpretable, but like ambiguous. Cause then I feel like those are my favorite kinds of songs because I can tell what the musician was feeling, but I'm not trying to overlay their exact experience onto my life. And so I feel like when I can write a song that doesn't have like this happened and then this happened and then this specific person did this or whatever, I feel like my hope is that it allows other people to hear the song and just feel like, oh, this resonates with a, a feeling I have, not necessarily I need to exactly understand what Joe was trying to go for. So you're, you're kind of leaving it open for yeah. interpretation yeah. by the listener. Then. Yeah, I kind of like that. Like some just ambiguous lyrics that sound really pretty but make me feel like I'm getting out the thing I'm trying to say. <laughs> What's the, uh, the third song you're going to play for us? Uh, the third song is called Saccharin. Um, I started teaching myself piano over the last year and um, been trying to write on the piano more. And, and anyway, I wrote this song. Um, it's a love song, but it's definitely on the side of love that's just like, you know, love, love is confusing and love is uh, scary and frustrating and difficult, but you still love the person. It's not, you know, my girlfriend and I have been together for six and a half years and, and so I've never been in a relationship this long, so I'm feeling all these feelings I've never felt before about long-term love. Like, I, I love her to death, but we also are, you know, working on our stuff and figuring each other out still. And so this is a song kind of about just remembering that we, you know, the love is there and that we're still working on things. Fire and ice and kerosene 
How do you know you've written a good song to the point where you know it's time to stop? Because uh, if I were a songwriter, I'd, I'd probably just keep going. Yeah. I wouldn't give up. And kinda, I'd be writing one song for a year. That's kind of how I feel. <laughs> Sometimes I write a new song and I'm like, man, I just wrote this song. I feel like I'm not done with this yet. Um, I don't know when they're done. 
I kind of get to a point where I just am like, oh, it's long enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like that song that I just played, I feel like is the most finished feeling song I have right now. Um, a lot of my other songs, I feel like, oh, I could have written a little more here. I could have written a little more here. But I feel like the times I've done that when it's finished and I think I know it internally, it's finished, but I keep trying. The stuff I write after is like not important and it is kind of dragging dragging on. Like I'm trying to get too much out of an uh-huh. idea. And so um, that's kind of when I'm like, okay, I think... Best to quit when you're ahead. Best to quit when <laughs> you're ahead. It's short and sweet is better than long and annoying. <laughs> and dragged out, right. <laughs> um, how can people find out more about you? How can they find out where you're playing and where can they get your music or hear your music? Um, so they can follow me on Instagram at, at Joe Summers Music. Um, they can find me on Spotify. I wrote and recorded and mixed and mastered my own album during the pandemic and I'm really proud of it and I would love if people listen to it so I can get those little those little less than a thousand plays marks next to my name gone that really bothered me and make um, the penny that you're going to make yeah right yeah I can't wait to make a millionth of a penny yeah. um, <laughs> I did it for the money uh, <laughs> uh, it's the album is called A Fracture in the Light um, and I'm really happy with how it sounds uh, so they can find me there um, I'm still at the moment drumming up some new gigs, trying to find new places to play, um, collaborating with other musicians in San Diego, trying to put together a little lineup of some stuff. And, um, so yeah, follow me on Instagram so that you can get those updates. I make posts on there. I try to post videos of me playing music with frequency. So keeping the updates flowing on there. So yeah, please give me a follow. All right. Like my music, please. <laughs> All right, Joe. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you for uh, having me. It was me. great meeting you. Thanks for sharing yeah. your, your story and your music. And uh, hopefully I'll get to catch a show of yours sometime soon. I would love that. That does it for another episode of Music Makers San Diego, where we shine the light on San Diego area songwriters and their music and are proud to present a Ruth House concert featuring Haley Blaze and the Wellspring Saturday, June 17th. Tickets are available at the link in our Instagram bio and on our Facebook page. Until next time, I'm Gary Lee. Have a good one.